Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. Entering my heart, it is giving me light and direction. It is healing me every area. It is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit will speak into your situation today in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Please take your seat. I want to title this. Um, study through the book of Psalm 119 as the most important prayer. That's what we'll call it, the most important prayer. When Paul will be praying for the different churches, he always had one prayer point centered around one, one main thing. A few things to the left and the right, but generally one main thing. He would tell, tell them, I've heard of your faith. As they are ahead of it, I did not cease to make petition for you. And what was I asking for? I was praying that God will fill you, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. When I was writing to the Colossians too, the same thing. He prayed that God will give them this knowledge, fill them with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what we declare from. So that they will walk in a manner worthy of him to please him in all respects, to bear fruit in every good work. That's what he always prayed about, increasing in the knowledge of God. You know? And then when I was studying Psalm 119, I found out that that's precisely what the Lord prayed about also in his life as the Lord Jesus. And that was prophetically foreshadowed by the um, psalm that David wrote in Psalm 119. Now what we are going to do in this series is to pray with David. You know, we often say when the Spirit of God is upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. I will like that. But I think when the Spirit of God is upon your heart, you should pray like David prayed. I think that is more important. The dance is not bad, but I think the prayer is more crucial. The, the, the dance is good. The only thing is that, well, I would say, you don't even know exactly how he danced, but he danced with all his might. Okay, whether it was Atidogu he did or break dancing, we don't know. You do the one that comes to you. But the prayer, we know what he prayed. We know what he prayed. And the prayers are so important, and they show us, or they show us, because they are recorded, they show us how a Christian should reason. So we are going to pray like David prayed, and I think it's so important. That's why we're titling this um, short series of um, School of Prayer on um, the most important prayer. We have to learn the prayers that are most important that we should say as believers. Um, let me just say this again. There's a difference between how Gentiles pray and how Christians pray. Jesus said, don't pray like Gentiles pray. How do you know the prayers of Gentiles? The prayers of Gentiles are centered around their needs. And anytime they gather, do you understand? It is, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How will we get our jobs? How will we get promotion? Understand? How will we build a house? How will we acquire land? It's always about that. That is how you know it's Gentiles that are praying. And this is the side side of it. Sometimes Christians also learn to pray like that. And they teach the pastors, we pastors, we teach as if that is the thing that God is doing. In the life of the Christian, let me say it again. That's not what the Lord is doing. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. That's thinking about Christianity. The Lord can come to you. You thought you had a million and say, you don't need to give it to me. All right? He's not always pouring money, goods in your direction. 
And that's why he wants you to learn to pray what is more important. Let me say this again because it's so important for Christians to realize it. This life we are living is very temporal. And Christians are supposed to live with eternity in mind. Paul said that they should seek the things that are above, all right? Not the things that are below. You know, just, just imagine as an example, I travel to Sudan, okay? And I tell everybody I'll be back in about two months. The way I behave in Sudan will show that I'm not planning to stay here forever. Are you getting my point here? Yeah, it will show. The things I concern myself with, it will show. Let's forget Sudan. Even if I went to the U.S., okay, it will show that this guy is not planning to stay here forever. My mind will be back at home. My mind will be back at home. I remember the first time I went to the U.S. and I, I stayed about uh, five weeks there about. You know, <laughs> the first one week I had a blast because a friend of mine, he lives in the, he lives in the U.K. Here I was coming to the U.S. So he bought the flight and came, met me in New York where I was staying with my other friend. Okay, so three of us, we had a very nice time. All right, moved around there. After one week, holiday was over. The reason why I came, I said, oh boy, bye-bye to New York, off to Houston, where I was supposed to go and work. I mean, I was going for a course. After one week, I was tired. So you know what I did? I marked the days down. Each day I'll tick, another day has gone. <laughs> Each day I'll tick, another day has gone. I kept on ticking it. I was wondering, is there any method by which you can hasten these days? I started packing days before I was supposed to leave. You can't change the date of my flight. I'm going back home. <laughs> you get my point. Hey, and listen, you know, and I go talking to my wife every day. That is every day. I spoke with my wife every day. It's usually the last thing I do before I go to sleep. Yet, ha, you, can, you know, I was, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass over me. That is, you know, the time you look at five days look like eternity. Now, why am I saying so? Everything you could see me preparing to go back home. I go to the shops, I buy things, I buy for my wife, I buy for my kids. No, I'm buying for people back at home. If they are selling houses in America, I wouldn't price it. <laughs> Do you understand? There was a day I went to work, and there was one big, what do you call, I don't know what they call this, this big um, jacket for cold, you understand? And I don't, I don't, we don't wear it in Nigeria, so I don't know what they call it, just like a jacket. So the security department, she and I were talking one day. So there was one in the office. She now asked whether I wanted it. Now, that's where I'm going to. It's free, it's high quality, it's good, but I said no. Why? I said, I'm going back to Nigeria, I can't wear this. You know, in our mind, oh, maybe you live in the U.S., it gets cold, you know, at, the, at that time it wasn't, it was cold, it wasn't, it wasn't badly cold. If, I, if I, you're not inside the building, it wasn't cold outside, just like they chilled those buildings, it was a hospital, right, and maybe it's part of their infection control, I don't know, they chilled the place as if you want to freeze, I used to sit on my hands in my cubicle, I'm a pathologist, so I didn't go to the clinic, I was in our, our labs and our doctor's room, so I used to sit on my hands, that's how cold it was, but when you go outside, it wasn't so, it wasn't so bad, it's Texas, it's not so bad, so he gave me a thick sweater, I could have it if I wanted it. And I declined it. Do you know why? I was thinking of what? Nigeria. You get the logic here? I was thinking of Nigeria. I wasn't thinking of the U.S. If I was going to stay behind the U.S., it would be, like, be a good gift. Oh, do you like it? Nobody wants it anymore. We just have it here. I will take it. It saves me maybe $30 going to buy my own or $40 or $50. But even though it was free, I was thinking of what? Nigeria. Even if I could transport it down here free, it was totally useless to me. It was going to be totally useless because this is for people who live in very cold environments. Even if I was living in Joss, you can't wear that in Joss. It's too thick. You are getting my point? That's how Christians reason about heavenly things. That's how we reason about heavenly things. We think of our inheritance is laid up what? 
in heaven. If I'm in that Sudan or in the U.S., like, like I'm explaining, and I'm going to be here for three months, yes, I may make the room where I'm staying comfortable, of course. I will try and make myself comfortable while I am there. But my mind is set on what? It's set on Nigeria. Everything I'm doing is how will it affect me when I get, when I get back home. Everything. Even the training I was doing in the U.S., it was to be used in a developing country. So we call it um, uh, knowledge transfer. The people who sponsored, they didn't expect me to stay back in the U.S. It's like, get this thing, and if I expect a report from me on what you learned and how you are going to use it when you get back home. You're getting the logic here. So everything is, you know, everything is arranged around Nigeria. And that's how Christians reason. You are doing something, everything is arranged around eternity. Everything is arranged around heaven. Heaven, everything is arranged how God looks at it, you know, as, as it plays in your life, your role in eternity. You're not concerned about what is temporal, more than the fact that you need to use some temporal things, why everything is temporal. I get my point. When you're in the temporal environment. But when you have to make real investments. I was listening to the Prince yesterday, and it was emphasizing that, look, ask yourself, what seeds, that the one you are doing things, how is this my seed I'm sowing affecting the eternal reward? You know, the truth that many Christians, the truth is that Christians, we, we, we actually don't believe. I think I keep on saying it. We need to work on our faith. We actually don't believe. And forget the fact that we are shouting and talking. If we want to know what we really believe, it is when we make decisions. I was in a church once, a, a man was preaching, and he said that he just came back from a conference. And that from that conference, he learned that after observing everything, that he doesn't believe that it will take more than five years for Jesus to come back. Now, that was... Um, 19 years ago. All right. I was like 19, 19 to 20 years ago. Okay? So I was in that church. I was saying that I just came back from a conference abroad and that, look, if they believe Jesus is going to come back very soon, and now said for that reason, he's not making any plans more than five years in advance. Amen? Amen. Then a few weeks down the line, I came to church. Let's use today's Naira, because this was long ago. In today's night, I was raising like 500 million naira to build the church building. It's not bad if you have 500 million, but you're not expecting Jesus in the next five years. Forget that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You're not expecting Jesus because why would you want to spend that volume of money to build a building you use for three years? Because you're not going to finish in the next two years. Was it a bad thing the man did? No. It's just that he was not thinking Jesus is coming in the next five years. Are you getting my point here? That's what I'm trying to emphasize by it. That's just the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that just the way we live our lives, it shows what we really believe. That is a matter of fact. When, if I want to show what, if, if I want to show me, I mean, like, I want to check what you really believe. You and I, I sit down and say, give me your account over the last five years. Let me see how you've been spending your money. We just sit down and go through it. From it, I'll know what you really believe. Many Christians don't believe there is eternity. With their mouth, they say they do. But check their choices. That's what really tells you. Let me tell you something there. James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. What that means is that it is possible to deceive yourself. It's very possible. That is, you know what it means to be deceived? It means that you think what you are saying is true. A lying person knows what he's saying is a lie. Are you getting my point? Yes. 
but a deceived person is convinced that what he or she is saying is true, except that it is not. You, you get the point. It's just that it is not. But the person thinks it is true. When James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, it means many Christians are deceived. It means when you talk to them, and what means to be deceived is, <laughs> I always knew my neighbor was deceived. No. It means you are deceived. Are you getting my point? I don't. <laughs> because a deceived person does not think he's deceived. Oh, yes. Because once you think you are deceived, you're no longer deceived. Many Nigerians today, eh, they are deceived. If I can just leave this country, breakthrough has come. They left. Nine out of ten, they are still suffering. The suffering only got worse. What happens is a matter of fact. So, it means that for many Christians, especially, now listen to this. Those who don't listen to the word are not the problem. There are many people who listen to the word of God. They are the ones we are talking about. They are actually deceived. They have a lot of head knowledge. They have a lot of it. They can quote scriptures for you. One is quotation time. Their words are filled with verses, verses, verses. But James said, that is not where, where you check what you believe. Check what you are doing. Did you hear that? Check what you are what? Doing. Check what you are doing. That is what tells you whether you believe or you don't believe. Not what you say. Not what you know. is what you are doing. Now, what am I going to say? Back to where we began from. So you see, when the Lord Jesus, I was trying to emphasize something that Christians, our prayers are different too. Many of us can open our mouths and say, yes, I believe in life after death. I believe in eternity. We can open our mouths and say that. I believe in eternity. I believe Jesus is coming again. I believe one day I will stand before the judgment throne of God. You may say that, but do you really believe it? How I know is okay. Let's analyze your life over the last six months. That's it. Because people who really believe that Jesus is watching them and is going to judge them, there's a way they do things. Very, very different from how everybody else does it. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, Isaac, when Jacob wanted to describe God, he described him as the fear of Isaac. That is, Isaac's life, watching it, you could see that he lived in fear of somebody that you could not see. So Isaac wouldn't cheat you because his God was watching. You are getting the point here? So that's what we're trying to explain. So many people said, okay, they believe in judgment. They, the, way they, the way they live their lives, it shows they don't believe. That's why I'm convinced that God is very faithful. It's we people that are faithless. With our mouth, we may claim to be faithful. With our church going, we may claim to be faithful. But with the habit, we, the way we live our lives on a regular basis, our habits, it shows that we really don't believe. When Jesus told the young man, sell all you have and give to the poor. The man made it clear to Jesus, I don't want this eternal life that bad. <laughs> you are getting what I'm saying here? He have done everything. Jesus says, that's so. Sell all you have and give to the poor. And one of the lessons, there are many lessons. One critical lesson there was that Jesus was saying that if you wanted it bad enough, you will have found it. You don't want it seriously. Jeremiah was, God was speaking through Jeremiah. He said, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. God just showed that young man Listen, you don't want it bad enough. That's, that's all he just proved to him. If you wanted it bad enough, so we believe that's when we are praying. That's what I'm saying. We pray with eternity in mind. That's what we do. We pray with what? Eternity in mind. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. He said, this prayer points 
are not the real prayer points. You know, you know, Christians, forget all this noise we make all over the place. We want to sow seed, sow seed. You understand my point? I, I know you think I have a problem with seed sowing. You know the truth? I do. <laughs> because it's all over the place. Christian, even if seed sowing was true, the way people try to practice it, we don't sow for the right things. How many times have somebody come out and say, today, I need 10 people now. Apostle, get the basket. You are used to these things. Okay, sit down. You know why I say you sit down? They can drop at the apostle's feet. I'm standing here. I don't need your basket. I said, right now, as I began to minister, it was impressed upon me there are five people here. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit just told me that there are ten. There are ten people here who are saying, I want to connect with deeper understanding of God. Have you ever heard that? Where did you hear that? This guy said many times. CVMS, come and tune his engine. He's not, uh, he's not awake. He didn't hear me well. They don't say that. It's those who want to connect with another level of breakthrough. That's what you hear. I'm saying those who want to connect with, connect with deeper knowledge of God. Who says, this year, my, my ignorance is over. I want to know the mind of God concerning my life, my destiny. I want to understand scripture. I want to understand the verses of the word of God. When it is open, let them come forward now with one, one million right. Do you know we don't say that? No, we don't do that. We don't do that. You know, we always say, we always say that if somebody says, this year I'm going to build my own house. You see, all the unbelievers will rush forward. This year is my last year of looking for a wife. I will find before this meeting is over. You now clear your account and bring to the altar. People don't do that. They don't come, in quotes, they don't sow the seed now for the things that are important. That's the point I'm making. They don't. They sow those seeds for things that God said to Solomon. I am going to bless you because you did not ask for them. I hope you're getting my point. They sow those seeds for things that God looked and said, don't make these things your prayer point. I've hardly heard anybody ever, all these years of following this, listening to people preach, I've hardly ever heard anybody, maybe once or twice, I can't remember any, because I said maybe it's once or twice in the past, maybe somebody says that, listen, after I sowed that seed, the word of God became clear to me. That I began to study, I knew God more than ever before. They don't say that. Why? Because the things that are important to us, are not the things that God says should be important. That's why I'm convinced we waste a lot of prayer time. We are going through Psalm 119 to see what was important to Jesus, not just David. We are going through Psalm 119 to see what God says. This is what I want you folks to focus on. We are going through Psalm 119 to see what God says. My children, focus here. We now understand that. Listen, there were many people. We know in, in the, what they call it, in the church in, in, in Thessalonica. They were poor people. They were broke people. There were people without jobs. That's why Paul said that they didn't go and find work. That's it. Yet, when he would be praying for them, the prayer was always centered on being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is, to understand every part of spiritual knowledge. That is, there's a knowledge concerning the second coming of Christ. I want you to know it. You may not know the date, but I want you to know everything that concerns you. How to prepare for it. There's a knowledge concerning creation. Oh, that's another aspect. 
Paul said, I pray that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will concerning creation. I want you to understand what he says about himself as a God of all creation. There is something about it. So he said, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that's what Samuel is about. We are going to read it. We are going to use it to pray. The other day, my wife and I were looking at this at home. I told my wife, I said, oh girl, this is a whole prayer. That is, it wasn't exhortation. This man was praying. Once you go beyond verse 3, from verse 4, to you get to the end. And you know this is the longest psalm. Yes, in, in, in verse what? If you see from, the, from verse 4 till you get to the end, all he was doing was praying. All he was doing was praying. All he was doing was praying. I find this book to be, that is this particular chapter of the book of Psalms, to be one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. You see what is important. Like we quoted last time, we saw verse 23, in which this man, enemies were conspiring against him. And what is the solution? So what I will do is that um, me, I will meditate on thy testimonies. That's what I'm going to do. I will meditate on your statutes. I will meditate on your word. I will make sure my test, your testimonies are my delight. And people are talking about me. The way a lot of people pray is, Lord, they are talking about me. Scatter them. Altar versus altar. Anywhere. Where people are hanging between heaven and earth, for your sake, I hang. I I go to your village. I jam them. (laughs) All these are Christians that have joined Babalaos. David said, listen, I, I meditate on your testimonies. He says, they are hanging between heaven and earth against me. I... I hang on my knees with my Bible in my hand and I read of your goodness and I sing of your praises. I meditate on your statutes. Your commandments are sweet to me while they are hanging between heaven and earth. <laughs> that is what David said. I need to digress more. Please, let me just beg you. For, you've, heard, you've seen us pray here. Many of you have been coming here for some time. Please go and get we are over a, what am I saying? Uh, up to 200 of our previous school of um, prayer messages on our website. Go there. You won't find anyone in which we're discussing your enemies, the witches who are hanging, those in the village that don't want you to prosper. Please, you are not a witch doctor. Are you getting my point? There are prayers that Christians don't pray. We have superior things to handle. We have more important things to discuss. You see a book on how to overcome witchcraft and, and mammy water spirits. Don't buy it. Yes, that's an instruction. Do not buy, do not read. Books that discuss how to raise up an altar against all the altars against you. The question I ask you all the time, how many altars did Balaam raise against the people of Israel? Go and count it. I, can't, I don't have the figure, it's really off head now, but Numbers 23, go and read it there. And on each one he will sacrifice seven bulls and seven what? No, I want us to read it because it's a very, oh God, the Lord is good. Mm, The Lord is very good. Numbers 23. In verse 1. Say, build how many altars? Seven altars. 
Please say it like you are here. Seven altars. Not one. A one man, seven altars. Against the will of God. And he said, what? Prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams for me here. And then he offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now, I'm not going to talk about, discuss the things that happened there. Then he left that place and went somewhere else. Find the verse for me quickly. In verse 13, Balak said to him, Please come with me to another place from where you may see them. That's verse 13 now. Although you will only see the extreme end of them and see not all of them and cause them for, for me from there. They were in one place. They have now moved to another place. And when they got to the other place, what did they do? They built again seven altars and offered on each altar a bull and a ram. This time around, we now have a total of what? 14 bulls and 14 rams. And the man began to prophesy as the Holy Spirit now possessed him to say. In verse 23, what did he say? Please let me use New Living Translation. He said in verse 23 in New Living Translation, No curse can touch Jacob. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic, he says, has any power against Israel. And did, that is, he gave it to us in simple language. Now, what I want you to understand, I don't want to go back looking for it now. The Bible said the people of Israel were just camped like flocks of goats. They did not know anything was happening. They were not raising any retaliatory altar. No, they were not. They were sleeping. They, they were going about their own normal businesses like nothing was happening. Do you know why? Because nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. That's what I'm telling you. Don't waste your time. And God, you know, we said it last time on Saturday. The time is actually not your own. It belongs to who? It belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. So stop wasting his time praying about things that he said they are not prayer points. Next time you're at home, your mother, your father, whoever, auntie, raise that kind of prayer point. Be staring. Say, are you not going to pray? You need to teach people. When they say, are you not going to pray? Say no. When they say why? Say because it is unnecessary. Say your enemies are not sleeping. Say that's their problem. Everybody has his problem in life. If they will not sleep, I can help them get what? Sleeping pills. I know where to find it. When your enemies are not sleeping, you should not be sleeping. Say, enemies don't dictate my life. They can't dictate my life. That means if they are drowning, I should, me too, I should start drowning. If you are not sleeping, you are worried. You have a problem. I don't have their problem. I just, look, Apostle, we have to keep saying these things. Because they go out and go and listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. No, you know, I, I will say what I'm saying loud so that people will be warned. When you refuse to go to the village to see the witch doctor, the witch doctor went to the market and bought a suit. Changed his name from Uchendu. Made himself sound like a prophet. He's a liar. There are many in town. Once they offer to double your money, they are thieves only. I told the story of the one I had that came, raised money, then kind of ran through the window. <laughs> I know that I'm there. Stop following <laughs> Please, I'm not joking. No. This will, they will donate evil spirits to your life. They do that. I, look, I know what I'm telling you. They do it. Because that's the only way they can control you. Yes. That's what keeps you coming back. I see death around you. He said, okay, even me too, I see it around me. People are always dying. 
It's true. People are, uh, uh, look, I went to visit, because of my ministry work, there's a place where I'm their chaplain. You know, they are elderly people, so our, like our chairman, the man is like 84, thereabout. Last time I went to visit somebody whose wife died. I mean, not the young woman, the one was in the 70s when she died. I went to see her husband. So when we came out, ah, he said, Banky. I said, yes, sir. He said, have you noticed? A lot of people are dying these days. <laughs> I felt like, your guy is your age. It's not that wrong. <laughs> you know a lot of old people. The mother is like 84, 84, 85. He said, Banky. I said, yes, sir. He said, the other day, do you know, I was coming from somewhere. There was someone I saw the other week. They told me he had packed off. I said, yes, sir. It's very serious, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> what he said, it is serious matter. I will just know the yes, sir. <laughs> The Lord is good. So when they say they see death around you, they say, oh, God, it's life. People die. You say you saw it around me. Did I die? If he says, yes, yeah, say when? He said, because the way I'm calculating it, you may see, you, maybe you see into the far future. But if he say you died tomorrow, say, oh, God, today is the day of salvation. We rejoice in the Lord. Don't worry, we'll die tomorrow, I promise you. But not today. As long as it's called today, we'll be alive. So when I wake up tomorrow, I say, Lord, thank you for today. That's it, another day. <laughs> I've shifted it to tomorrow again. Wake up next day, Lord, thank you for today. That's it. Then one day you look, Lord, I don't want to see the next day. We are tired that you are 98, 102. You are tired. You've done what everything you have to do. At the age of 84, I was listening to the, to the interview yesterday. The prince was interviewed at the age of 84, and he was describing his life. So the person said, okay, how would you like to be prayed for now? How would you like the listeners to pray for you? He said, oh. He said, I'll pray. He said, let them pray for me that I will remain in the center of God's will at 84. And that I will have the strength and health to do everything left for me to do. That's all he asked for. That's all that old man asked for. He has seen life. He said, look, all I need is to remain where? In the center of the will of God. Those are the things that are important to us Christians. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Back to where were we? Psalm 1 I right? Let's go back to the beginning. So believers, please, let's... I went to all of that to just try and explain something to us. That we should learn to pray like Christians. We don't join glorified witch doctors in their prayer habit. No. We learn to pray like Christians. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. Before we start reading, let me just explain some things to you, please. Now, there are different translations of the Bible we use. If I sample the ones in this hall now, we'll probably have more than 10. Okay? I normally use New American Standard as my normal, my usual. But I read other ones. I read New American Standard. I read New Living Translation. I read the Amplified. And I use New, Young's, what they call it, Young's Literal Translation once in a while. I add every other one to it, you know, God's word, um, good news, you know, different ones. We add different ones here and there. Now, the word of God is depicted in Psalm 119. I just want to introduce with it, with different expressions. Now, I mentioned different translations because they tend to mix them up. Are you getting my point? Now, one may use the word statutes here. On that translation, we use the word commandment. Where on that one says commandment, one will say testimonies. They are different ones. Now, there are, five, there are five different things, okay? That I, I'm just going to choose five words that reflect virtually everything you will find. Now, you may find various modifications from different translations, but they all fall within these five words 
that I'm talking about, okay? One, you see the word very frequently, thy word. That one is about the most common there. For example, he will tell you, my, my soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. Now, so when he uses the word thy word, all right? It's referring to God's promises. For example, when he says, a father of many nations, I have made you. He said to Abraham, that's what he calls thy word. Are you getting my point? So if you read through, the, because we'll see them as we go on. So that's the first thing you find, thy word. Most translations use it. A few will use the word thy promise. But most will just use the word thy word, thy word. So when you see that one being used, for example, let's say um, you want to go down to something like, um, let's say, anyway, you will find it then, you know, like verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. So if you see that your word, you know, verse 16, I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. You understand? So that word, you find the word. When you see that one, it's referring to God's promises. The second word you often see is precepts. Some may use the word statutes for that. They may use different words. But generally, when you use, I'm using New American Standard, which correlates quite well with it, something like King James, old kind of English. They use the word precepts. And when you see that, the use of the word precepts reflects God's principles. What are precepts? Like, thy word is what? Promises. Thy word, promises. Now, when you see the word precepts, it refers to God's pro- uh, principles. Let me give you an example. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's not really a promise. That's a principle. That's what they call precepts. You understand? When it tells you, whoever causes his father or his mother, his lamb will go out. That's divine principle. For the lamb to go out in the time of darkness. As a result of what he did to his father or his mother. That's what? A divine principle. So the Bible uses a word for it, precepts. Another word you find is clearly commandments. For example, it will tell you, this one is just open. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. And when David was speaking, he was talking about the commandments written expressly. The Ten Commandments and many other commandments written. I don't need, I don't need to explain that. So commandments are usually, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt. You know, there are things that are given, they'll be obeyed to the letter. Those are commandments. So how many do we have there? Three. Another one you find is what he calls thy testimonies. Now, like I mentioned earlier, different translations may alter this a bit. I'm just using the one that's based upon the Bible I use normally. And then, but whatever word they use, just know that those are the things that are important. You have promises, you have what? Principles, you have commandments. Then the one we're talking about now is what they call testimony. So, when you use the word testimonies, testimonies are usually things that I have derived from a personal work with God. This is what I, this is how I describe them customized commandments. Maybe because of my understanding of God, I have derived how things I'm not supposed to do, things that I must do. That's what they call testimonies. People working with God, they just discover some things in their own personal work with God. They call it testimonies. And then last of all, I have the one I call them, I think they are, ah, what are they now? Ordinances, apostle. Yeah, ordinances, yes. They have to do with sacrifices. They have to do with uh, things like coming together as brethren. There are physical things that we do, all right, as a sign of our faith, okay? Like for Christians, you know, they have fellowshipping with one another, you have the communion table. There are stuff like that. Now, these are different aspects of the word of God. All right? Like I said, so you may see different words that I use. Here and there, you may find statutes. You may find um, things like that. Okay? Statutes, something. But all of those things can fit somewhere 
into these five I have mentioned. Generally, they are the most important ones are the first four. I hope you've understood what I've said so far. Yeah, it's important. Now, each one of these that we have just described, each one was something that was crucial to the Lord Jesus. David speaking prophetically about it, that he should understand. All right? Of course, inside what they call the law, of course, that's another word you may find, thy law. But that also it fits into things like commandments, you understand, the ordinances, because there, there are a lot of words you see, but they just fall into those categories. Now, having said it, let's start reading. All right? The Lord is good. Psalm 119. David said, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. He said, How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Now, prayer starts from verse 4. He said, You have ordained your precepts. Now, when I say prayer, now he's talking to the Lord. He said, you have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways, can you see that prayer? Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. New Living Transition uses the expression. Oh, that my actions will consistently reflect your decrees. Then he said in verse 6, then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. Look at what he said in verse 6. He said, Then I will not be ashamed, that's New Living Translation, when I compare my life with your commands. Now, there's something here, but let me just start because the Bible, that the way the Hebrew people broke it down, this in segments. So let's just stop in the first segment. I'll stop in verse 8. Verse 7 says, I shall give thanks to you with all uprightness of heart. This is a prayer. When I learn your righteous judgments. Can you see that? Why is he giving thanks? Because of the new understanding that the Lord is giving him. He said, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Let me again say the reader on New Living Translation. He was trying to say that things may be difficult for me now. Things may not be easy. He said, but please don't give up on me. That's verse 8. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. That is, what was David praying about? That listen, all of these things are to be taken together. Let me just explain some things here. David says something here that... You have ordained your precepts that we should do what? Keep them diligently or carefully. He said, if we do that, what, okay, of course, in that particular um, context, he was saying that all that my ways may be established to fit myself into those precepts. He said, when I do that, I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commandments. Let me explain what that means. David was saying something here. God has ordained his precepts. If you read my book, Guided by the Spirit, please let me take a minute and say something about that. In that book I explained, people say that, um, you know, I was trying to explain something to people that, oh, Holy Spirit spoke to me, Holy Spirit spoke to me. How do you make decisions on a daily basis? There's a blog I'm writing. I thought of the blog, Own That Decision. What does it mean to own a decision? I said, stop passing everything over to God all the time. Why are you here? You know, it's because the Lord said I should come here. Why are you going there? The Lord said I should go. You know, why did you come to church today? The Lord said that there is something he's kept for me. I should go to church and go and collect it. I know you are sounding very spiritual. But actually what you are doing, you are passing the book over to the Lord and he doesn't like it. You're always holding him responsible for everything. It's not as if he doesn't want to be responsible. But he wants to get to a point where you love what he loves. So that when you make a decision, why are you here? 
I reasoned about it. This is the best place to be at this time. I don't need the Holy Spirit to tell me. 